Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. Here comes pressure, throws it to Eckler on the screen. He's got a block to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. for a first down. Herbert with time. Now running out of time. Throws on the run. Down the sideline. Caught in the end zone. Keenan Allen for the touchdowns. Throws and again it's intercepted. And that's Asante Samuel. Here's another one. Watch out. How did it feel when Derwin James absolutely powerbombed the f*** out of you on national television? You're listening to the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. And we're back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the Chiefs. And I, I was just talking to you before the show started. Like, I think the Chiefs are better than they were last year and they won the Super Bowl. It's It feels strange that a Super Bowl team can actually still get better. But I feel like that's what happened, man. So, like... Let's talk about it a little bit. Do you think that this Chiefs team is going to be better than they were last year? Could they win more games? I, I mean, with the, the the Chiefs, the they're approaching that point where I think they've already five straight AFC title games, two Super Bowls in four years. You already have a dynasty in place. Uh, one more. Super Bowl, and you're, you're going to have to start talking about this team as one of the best teams of all time, regardless of sport. Um, it's getting to the point where where it's boring. They're consistently going to win double digit game wins. I, I think they're bringing enough of their core back um, that it's going to be business as usual over there in Kansas City. Um, and at a few positions, I think they got better. I think that defense um, has a lot of young guys who had really good rookie seasons coming back. I'm talking about that secondary. Um, I think they got better up front on the defensive line. Um, I think you missed, uh, you're missing out on, on letting Nicole Hardman and Juju Smith Schuster, who was your leading receiver last year, walk. But I, I think it, it's when, whenever you have Andy Reid and Mahomes, you're, you're going to win 13, 14 games. I, I think that's kind of just their baseline right now. Um, more, I, I don't think we're going to see 
an undefeated team in a while, uh, but the Chiefs are as close to being that, uh, I think, that we, we have in this league today. I just, yeah, like I get the the fact that, you know, you lose Juju Smith-Schuster, who I think led there in receiving yards. I'm having trouble pulling up stats right now. Uh, you lose McCole Hardman, who really his only legitimate role was as a decoy in the deep part of the field, as a gadget player, and as a kick returner, punt returner. I feel like Sky Moore 100% replaces everything McCole Hardman can do, right? Like he's that same type of receiver built in that same mold. Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah, you lost, but you end up going and drafting um, Rishi Rice, who's a, a bigger uh, version of what he can do. I mean, their, their wide receiver core is still stacked, and they also traded for Kadarius Toney in the middle of the season last year. They still got speed with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and, and Sky Moore. And then they got more of a prototypical wide receiver, Rishi Rice. Like, let's not forget they also got Justin Ross, Amir Smith, Marset, like they've, they, John Ross is on this roster. <laughs> they might not have like a true wide receiver one, you know, a, a top 15, even probably top 20 wide receiver in the NFL, but they've got more than enough for Patrick Mahomes to, to go and just light up the skyboard scoreboard. And let's not forget that like, they still have Travis Kelsey. I think that's big beyond just what Travis Kelsey can do for his own game. He makes guys around him better. On top of that, Mahomes doesn't need an elite receiving core to get it done. They led the they led the league with in scoring and offensive production last year with Juju Smith being their their most productive receiver. Um, and then you got Andy Reid, one of the most talented offensive minds the NFL has ever seen. So he he is going to get those guys plenty of touches. Um, we're not even talking about their versatile pass catching uh, running back room. Um, their offense is going to be fine. I'm honestly worried about the defense, which has kind of been middle of the back to the bottom of the league during the, the, this last five year span. I, I think they're going to have a top 10 defense looking at just the, the, the names on paper. I mean, they're going to be a whole year further along with all these young types of players. I mean, Legereus Sneed came in as a rookie and was like super hot, like really, really good. They ended up moving him to the slot and he has a, a borderline all pro season. George Karloftis looks like Joey Bosa, probably not quite as far along, but like he's that type of like big power rusher who can play a plus as, as a run defender. Nick Bolton, they picked up Drew Tranquil, Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook. Like this is such a young defense. It's, I mean, they can only get better. Um, let's just, you know, let's talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes before we really, like, get down and, and you know, kind of did, like, a, a broad, you know, expectations. We know that this, the Chiefs have the best, uh, the best team in the NFL last year, and they didn't really lose a whole lot of pieces. Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Like, he's the best player in the NFL. He's probably going to be voted, like, the number one most exciting player probably going to get that 99 Madden rating, which has been a big hot topic this whole week with the Madden ratings drop. Um, he's Patrick Mahomes and he does a little bit of everything. And then he's also paired with the best head coach in for like what Patrick Mahomes does. Nobody can utilize his strengths better than Andy Reed with all the misdirection and stuff that they do. He takes shots. I, he's not afraid to, to throw the ball up and, and really air it out. Uh, even in situations where 
you know, maybe wasn't the best decision. He still does it. He makes a lot of those throws look routine. Talk about the the passing attack. Talk about Patrick Mahomes. Talk about Andy Reid and why Andy Reid is so good at utilizing Patrick Mahomes' skill set to really be so creative with his play calling. Well, I mean, that's that's a lot to chew off. I, I think, first off, um, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football. I don't think it it's close. You got a, a lot of really superstar quarterbacks emerging right now. Um, I think they're all playing catch up to Patrick Mahomes. What that guy has done, the, his short term, short time in the league, um, already being talked of as, as one of the greats. And he looks like he has plenty left in the tank. Um, talking about Andy Reid, this guy, every year there's some new type of wrinkle added to the offense, but it's, it's never wasted. It's always about finding your players' skill strengths and, and using that game planning, that setting that up. Um, and he does that better than anybody. He, he, that, that's why I'm not worried about the lack of superstar strength um, at the top of that receiving room, because with that offense, with Matt Patrick Mahomes getting them the ball, um, you get a lot more wiggle room because he's going to scheme guys open. He's going to when you, you know, you don't have a great slot defender, you're not really that equipped to stop perimeter runs. He's going to he's going to run those types of schemes in your face until you stop it. Um and he's really one of the the best at halftime adjustments and like middle of the season adjustments. I think something that definitely the Chargers have been lacking the last couple of years uh, would love some of that, you know, being able to adapt when things aren't going right um, for you. I, I think that's something the Chargers have a, have a, have a lot of room to, to grow in that regards. So he's a former MVP, right? He last year they, they go 14 and three. They really just blew the NFL off. Like the AFC West had no chance, re realistically. Like nobody even came close to to beating the Chiefs for the AFC West Championship. Probably going to see that again next season. He was first team All Pro last year, five thousand two hundred fifty yards, forty one touchdowns, twelve interceptions. I mean, he is the real deal. Like he is the the best player in the NFL for a reason. Uh, and you know, he's as long as. Patrick Mahomes is there. They don't need a top wide receiver. They don't need a Travis Kelsey because he can, he can do so many different kinds of things in conjunction with the play calling that he has with Andy Reid that he can overcome some of the weaknesses of having the star wide receiver, right? Travis Kelsey is the star wide receiver. I mean, he had 1,300 yards last season, 12 touchdowns. Like, that's insane for a tight end. You know, every year it seems like we only have like two or three tight ends go for over 1,000 yards. Uh, and he just does it routinely. And he's 33 years old. He's still doing it, which is insane. Uh, they did lose Juju Smith-Schuster, who finished second in targets, 101 targets, 78 receptions, just shy of 1,000 yards, only three touchdowns. Wasn't really their big touchdown type of guy. Um, but, I mean, he's uh, they think that they have the, the pieces in-house with um, Kadarius Toney, Marquez Valdez-Scanning, and uh, – Sky Moore to, to overcome that loss. And I think that they've got more than enough on this roster. I'm really interested to see if Justin Ross ends up shining. Cause like reports during camp last year before he got hurt was that he looked like the real deal. Like he looked like a really, really good player played at Clemson. He's the player that hurt his back was expected to be a first round draft pick. 
and then has that um, that spinal injury that really scared a lot of teams away. And to the point where like Justin Ross didn't get to play last season because he was still nursing, rehabbing that. Um, is this wide receiver room good enough for them to really take that step forward? I mean, you know, they, they said goodbye to, to two really good wide receivers now in back-to-back seasons. Um, is And I, I guess like, is Kadarius Tony a wide receiver one? And that's kind of the other part of that, right? Is they thought enough yeah. of him to trade for him and also, um, you know, give him the, those, those targets eventually next season. Yeah. I, I kind of see, no, I, I think it's, it's similar to the Denver receiving core where there's a lot of depth. Um, you're just missing that lead guy. I, I, I look Kadarius Tony as a solid number two. Um, I think Marquez Valdez-Scantlin is a solid number two. Um, I love Sky Moore as, you know, that kind of gadget slot receiver role, um, which he played so well in college. Um, I, I think he was kind of held back with some some injuries here and there in his rookie season, but I definitely expect him to grow into that role. Um, and then you got Rishi Rice, who I, I think is, is a phenomenal talent in his own right. It's going to take some time to come along, but – uh, I, I think he'll be there. I think it's one of those things where you got so much star power on the other uh, skill position groups that you're all right with just having a bunch of twos in house. And I think that's what the the Chiefs have is just a bunch of solid number twos um, and and some great depth, lacking that number one number one threat. But I think you got that in Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, I think, is, is more versatile than what his possession. Um, as just a tight end like this guy is one of the best best pass catchers he can line up in the slot so I think you have I think that that luxury allows you to not necessarily have a number one but still be able to produce a uh, and have a productive uh, offense so I, I think they're going to be just fine um, let's talk a little bit about the running back situation I know like that the big hot topic before we talk about Isaiah Pacheco um I think it was Matt Miller uh, posted a tweet stating something about, you know, you draft a running back. uh, If you pay him on his rookie contract, if he's good, you franchise tag him for a year. And then the next season you draft a running back. Right. So like this whole issue and it's been a really hot topic and I get it right. Like running backs are the most injured position in, you know, any sport, right? Like they, they take the most hits, the beatings, and um, they're just not compensated because they at so many teams have been burned paying a running back big money. And then the next two seasons, he's injured, right? Like we saw it with Christian McCaffrey, we saw it with Saquon Barkley. Uh, we're seeing it, you know, kind of with Saquon Barkley right before he signs his big Le'Veon Bell had his crazy holdout and then just like trash, like these teams that were paying the running backs big money, they paid for it in a, negative way you know like five years ago uh adrian peterson signed this massive like 50 million dollar a year contract and nobody's eclipsed it since that was a long time ago like running backs now are actually making less than they did back then and the salary cap has gone up a hundred million in that time frame which is insane so what is your philosophy like what what is your take on the running back situation 
you know, is it really easier just to find uh, a Isaiah Pacheco in the sixth round and and develop him? Um, you know, what's your philosophy on that? And kind of how do you see this playing out in the future? Because it's become like it's such a huge media thing like this last week. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I kind of see it from both sides. I, I think both sides can make legitimate arguments, but I, I'm kind of shying on the side of, of the players here. I think it's a position that historically, if you look back on it, um, good teams, some of the best teams had really good running backs and they paid them uh, market value for those guys. And so I think we're getting to a point where I, I, I like the idea and I get when you have three, four guys, we get, we got these, com we have these committees of running backs in house now um, where it's not just one guy getting 30 touches a game. You're splitting that up. You're because of that, you're reducing injury. Um, you're reducing the impact an individual player has. Um, but when you got like a guy like Austin Eckler, who is seeing the ball more than, you know, everybody on your roster minus, the superstar wide receivers that you guys are paying about a lot of money. I, and I think he still takes way more touches, it. right? That's what I'm saying. He's still like, getting way the, more the, touches. The I feel like, yeah, if you're impacting the game, I, I, I think we need to start moving away from just the position, the value that the position group gets, and more of the your impact on the team. I do not think a guy like Austin Eckler should be getting paid less than than a backup quarterback. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, you're impacting the game a lot less. So I think we need to start looking at it more as, oh, you play this position, you're going to get this amount of dollars. Is more of, oh, you, you're an impact on this team. I don't care what position you play. If you're going to impact my team, you're going to bring the best out of me, um, then I, I think the team should be be compensating that. Um, now, that that's just kind of my philosophy. I think these guys put a lot into their craft. Um, I think it is a lot harder to win without a solid running game. Um, so, uh, but you look at it with like a receiver room, you got three guys making r real money. Um, and sometimes that third receiver is making a it's lot making more money than the number one running back. When the, the target share, the touches share doesn't add up. So like, I, I think that math needs to, end up catching up i think this is is i i don't get it I, like i want these guys to get paid because you're you're now ostracizing some of the best athletes we have in the game uh, um if we continue to do that we're gonna lose some of these great athletes choosing to go play baseball go choosing to play uh basketball where they're compensated more for the work they put in um as opposed to coming and being a number two back on a, a super bowl football team um you're gonna see that happen more and more if we keep, you know, if this league keeps punishing these guys for paying a position that they play. And that's what I look at it as. I, I think it's, I don't know. I, it doesn't make sense to me. The math needs to start mathing. So in terms of like the first part of my question being like, you know, running backs, like, should you like, you know, punt running backs to the end of the draft? I mean, the, the track record of draft picks in the fifth round who go on to have like pretty good careers kind of low, you know, typically it looks like the, the best place to draft a running back has been in the second and third rounds. Uh, I'm just going to read off 2022 to 2019, like running backs in that range. 
And then you can kind of make your own assumptions about, you know, are these starting caliber running backs or are these guys, um, you know, more backups type of situation. So like, you know, round two of last year was Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, James Cook. Round three, Rashad White, Tyrion Davis, uh, Brian Johnson Jr. And then you start looking at, you know, the fifth and sixth round guys. You're looking at Jerome Ford, Kyron Williams, Kevin Harris, Tyler Beatty. Um, and, you know, just take a look at like the drop off of talent there going yeah. into 2021 uh, running backs that were drafted last season, uh, last, last season, uh, first round, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams. And then in those fifth and sixth rounds, Kenneth Gainwell, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Gary Brightwell, Larry Roundtree. 2020, for, uh, second and third rounds, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, A.J. Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Keyshawn Vaughn, right? And then, you know, fifth and seventh rounds is uh, – I'll start at the fourth. So Joshua Kelly, Michael P. Ryan, uh, Mc, Anthony McFarlane, D.J. Dallas. I'm just seeing, like, this massive drop-off in talent once you get outside the third round. And these aren't guys – like, I don't want Joshua Kelly leading my backfield in carries, right? Like, I think he's turned into a quality back after some time. But I don't want DJ Dallas getting 20 touches a game. Like, I just, I don't want that, right? You know, like, I feel like there is enough value in drafting a running back high enough. If you got a fifth round um, or a fifth year option on a running back that allows you to franchise tag that player at, you know, 10 million a year, which is kind of the max you want to pay this running back market. And the reason I, 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 read off all of those different types of players is I can't see any of those players that are on their team that are their teams are winning because of them. Right. Like when was the last time you looked at a Super Bowl and said, Oh, they made it to the Super Bowl because they had a great run game. Like you never hear about it anymore. The last one I can think of 2014 Seattle. Right. Like that was the last time I can think of a team that made it because of their strong rushing game. Because if you look at the last 10 seasons, right, like uh, Kansas City, Philadelphia, they didn't make it for their run game. The Rams under Cooper Cup. Right. And the Bengals. OK, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady and Kansas City, Kansas City and San Francisco. You know, San Francisco was more like I can't think of the running back that they made it with. Right. Like the the way that teams are built now is that the run game is really a small part of the offense. And it's needed to drag the games late and, you know, control the clock and, you know, being able to run the ball in the playoffs does provide you success. But it's not the reason for your success. And so these running backs who are getting injured after paying this, getting paid these massive contracts, like it bites more teams than it does anything else. Like it, it hurts them. So I, I get the, the need and the want, and these players are exceptional athletes. But if you have a really good offensive line and a good enough running back that can help keep the running game alive, that's all you need to win football games. And it sucks for the players because I think there's some phenomenal athletes and, and, you know, the chargers were heavily reliant on Austin Eckler last season because he was their only healthy piece. But at the same time, like I can't bring myself to pay a running back. Cause if you lose Austin Eckler and your 
odds are that you're going to lose him for a considerable amount of time because of the position he plays, then that's the reason he's not getting paid. So it's just like a, it's a fine line there. And one of the 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 final things I'll say about because I've been feel like I've been talking a lot is I saw something on Twitter that was it was an easy fix to fix the running back market, and the answer was make running backs not part of the salary cap because if they're not part of the salary cap, yeah. then teams might be more willing to pay them more money and pay them their value. Which is kind of an interesting thought to it. Any any thoughts on fi- final thoughts on the running backs and kind of what's been going on there? Uh, I guess just that there's multiple ways to look at it. I think um, I think you made some point, some valid points. I just think we see we see left tackles, right tackles, great receivers get paid money and not you know, cripple their teams too. So I was like, but I guess to your point, you do see teams win because of their offensive line play, win because of their superstar uh, receiver play. Um, I, I guess I get that. I think most recently, like think about the impact Christian McCaffrey to the Niners made. Like he, that, he really took that offense that was su- struggling before he got there and really turned it into – one of the most exciting things uh, that second half of the stretch. And now they got plagued with some horrible quarterback luck. Um, but, you know, they were on pace to, to really make a, a showing through that the rest of the playoffs and then just had some bad luck. But I don't know. I, I think you could, if played the right way, scheme the right way, you got some absolute uh, playmakers at the running back position. I just don't think they've been on, you know, you had McCaffrey, that guy I'm talking about buried in Carolina for so long. Jonathan Taylor not getting any type of help um, in, in Indianapolis. I think that's a guy you could build around. Uh, I think there's some guys out there. Uh, I, I just don't think with this narrative going on, I, I think it's going to be a long battle for them. Um, and I don't think that they might not never get uh, paid what, what they think they deserve. And I kind of think they deserve what they do deserve. Money. I mean, they deserve the money, right? Like what they're yeah. doing is exceptional. Like what, Nick Chubb is doing for the Cleveland Browns offense. He is their offense. Like it runs through them. Their entire scheme is all based around his skill sets. But I mean, you lose him and your entire offense is gone. Like, could you imagine if the, the, the Browns lost Nick Chubb, how bad they would be without Kareem Hunt there, you know, like that, and that is the most injured position in the NFL. So for you to put all your eggs in in that basket, that's a scare. Look at the Titans when Derrick Henry is healthy and when he is not. And you're basing everything on him. And players get more injured as the season goes along. They slow down as the season goes along. They don't run as hard as the season goes along, right? And for you yeah. to put all of all I guess of just that put, like weight. every position group though, but it's different because like, other position guys don't take the same types of beatings. There is yeah, one other position I, that, I that, that does it: the linebackers. Linebackers are yeah. always the leaders of the defense. In every defense, every, every who's making the the defensive calls, ninety nine percent of the time it's. It's the middle linebacker in the middle of the field. 
Think about from the leadership aspect. Think about from the pass coverage aspect. Think about from the run defense aspect. Like linebackers are sorely underpaid as well. Nobody talks about them. And they take just as much contact because they're the ones colliding with running backs. All right. Let's let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco. So Isaiah Pacheco. <laughs> I'm, over, uh, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Isaiah Pacheco finished with 170 carries, 830 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, averaging just under 50 yards uh, per game. Um, five touchdowns, and he was also uh, lightly used in, as a receiver in the run game. Most of that work goes to Jarek McKinnon. Um, Jarek McKinnon ended up having nine receiving touchdowns last year, 56 receptions. So they've got their their true running back, and they've got their their you know third down back who's going to be catching passes out of the backfield. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has become the forgotten player in that crowd likely going to hit free agency next year wasn't awarded a fifth year contract and has actually been like a pretty major disappointment for them. I still believe they do have Ronald Jones. No, they have LaMichael P Ryan. So LaMichael P Ryan is they're going to be their big back. Um, it's a, it's a really good running back room. It's doesn't have a true RB one. It's got really good role players, you know, as we kind of close off this part of the episode of the offense, um, you know, is, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Pacheco and, and how the, uh, chiefs utilize their running backs? Yeah. Um, I think you've seen, they, they, they think they hit a home run with Isaiah Pacheco. And, um, I think he's, he does a lot of things for you. Obviously he plays his role. Um, but he's one of those spark plugs that you, you can't have too much of, um, every time he's making a play, he's excited. He gets other people excited. Even if he's on the sideline, he gets excited for his guys. So that's one of those like locker room presences, um, that, that you want to build around. Um, I like the addition of Jarek McKinnon. You get another pass catching back, um, added to that trio. Clyde Edwards Hilaire has not been used, um, as a pass catcher all that much at, at this level, but he's definitely capable. Um, I think having three guys who could all catch the ball from the backfield uh, with the offensive genius uh, mastermind pulling the strings and Andy Reid, um, I think you're going to see some two back sets. Um, what they end up doing, I can't really speak on, but I think you could definitely see some two back sets. And I think, I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire just, I, I think they like Lamichael P. Ryan for, you know, big big sets goal line carries. Um, I think you're going to see Edwards Hilaire get plenty of goal line carry short yard, like the third and twos, maybe not like I need a yard. Got to have it. So maybe you'll get a Michael P Ryan. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a lot stronger of a runner than both Isaiah Pacheco um, and, and McKinnon, especially in short yard situations. So I think he's still going to have a role, um, but they love Isaiah Pacheco. That's good. That, that's kind, he's kind of, taking a hold of that position. And um, I think they like it just his versatility, his ability to do a little of everything. I, I don't, and I don't think he's really a running back. I think he's just a receiver that they play, you know, but that they line up next to or behind Patrick Mahomes. And then I, we'll close off like Travis Kelsey. I don't think we need to speak about that too much. Travis Kelsey is probably going to be part of that 99 club for uh, the Madden ratings that came out this week. We should probably hear about that tomorrow. Cause 
there's no way he's not. He's 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 such an exceptional player at his position. He blocks. He run after the catch, makes terrific catches. Like he is the probably he might even be more important to the Chiefs offense than Patrick Mahomes is just for everything, all the attention that he draws away from the rest of the offense. So they use him. I mean, we know that Andy Reid loves to use misdirection, and he's usually at the center of a lot of that misdirection, whether it's the he's the decoy man in that or whether they're using misdirection to get him the ball in space. Like they they do a terrific job of using him as, as the ultimate chess piece. He's kind of like their queen if Patrick Mahomes is, is the most important player on the offense. Travis Kelsey is what drives the offense for it. Um, talking a little bit about their offensive line last year, they finished with a, you know, top 10, potentially top five offensive line. Uh, they have Donovan Smith there. Now they have Juwan Taylor on the right side, Joe Thune, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith might be the best interior group in the NFL. Um, I know you were talking a little bit about Donovan Smith, maybe not playing quite as well as he did last season, but I mean, it's really hard to make the case for that when you've got a statue behind you and Tom Brady, who's lost any sense of mobility. Um, and he's still a really, really good left tackle in the NFL. Jawan Taylor's kind of the young piece on that side. Um, I think it's a better offensive line than it was last year. I, I'll take Donovan Smith over Orlando Brown. Um, give me your thoughts on, on the offensive line. Talk a little bit about Travis Kelsey and your final thoughts on this offense. Yeah, um, I think we got a, a plenty in on Travis Kelsey. I, I think he's the biggest blocking mismatch you guys have that, that's in the league right now as far as offensive skill players. He could do whatever you need him to do. Um, a tremendous player and he makes everybody around him better. Another guy, you know, backing him up entering his third year who that team is very, very high on uh, is Noah Gray. Also great blocker. Um, also kind of a forgotten piece because Travis Kelsey does get so much attention um, that he, he could definitely slip behind some linebackers and make some plays for, for, for that chief's offense as well. Um, looking at the offensive line, I think you nailed it. That, that interior um was scary last year before they had any snaps together went to a super bowl last year uh gonna ride all of that momentum one more year under their belt uh playing together um i, I think you know they're gonna pick off right where they left off last year um and that was you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna step right in game one and be smooth i i think from the interior um both your losing both of your tackles i think is is, is significant it's probably the biggest roster change we have on, on this chief's team um but i don't think they lost much you got taylor who's an ascending player young um you still got yang who's entering his fourth season um i think they got another tackle in like the third or fourth round as well so you got some depth um and then you got donovan smith they have who, prince who take a, a solid okay okay yeah um and i i think you got donovan smith you're adding another with those young tackles in place, you, you need some veteran presence. I think he brings you that. Um, I, I was just talking last year. He probably had one of his his, his least impressive seasons as a pro. Um, he did give up six sacks. I get that Tom Brady's not as mobile as he was. Uh, but he led the league in, in holding penalties. Had seven of them. Um, and he missed four games. So getting older, not coming off a great year, new scheme, uh, um, a lot of new. 
blocking for Patrick Mahomes is easy at the, you know, if you just came from, you know, protecting uh, the corpse of Tom Brady the last couple of seasons. So uh, I think they're going to be fine. Um, I guess all I will say is all it takes for an offensive line. I know it's five pieces, but one weak link is all it needs to absolutely disrupt an offensive line. And I think the chargers saw that firsthand last year, even with Rayshon Slater, going down with injury early in the year. You had Jamari Sawyer came in, played phenomenal. I think with, with what he was expected to do in his rookie season, came in, played great. You had um, Corey Lindsley playing at all pro level uh, when he was healthy. Uh, Zion Johnson had a bumpy start to his rookie year, but started to figure it out. And then you saw a career-defining uh, season from, from Trey Pipkins at right tackle. All of that was dragged down by probably one of the worst offensive lineman performances I've seen all year. Um, and we got that out of Matt Filer last year. Four great pieces. Uh, that fifth one dragged everybody down. And that was a big part of the reason why Justin Herbert was the most pressured quarterback last season. So uh, I think those five are a lot better than the five we rolled out for the most of the game because they don't have a Matt Filer. Um, they don't have a weak if player Smith on their offensive doesn't line. gel. Um, you know, they don't have a weak link, but you know, it, it all it takes is one guy have a, a bad year. Matt Filer was great 2021 and then fell off a cliff. Um, it, you know, it's not impossible, especially with so much new. Uh, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. So gone is Frank Clark. He's no longer there. Uh, they still have George Karloftis. They ended up bringing in Charles Amina, who, who played last year for San Francisco had seven sacks really benefited from playing opposite of Nick Bosa. Um, Carlos Dunlop is gone. Um, George Karloftis last year had eight sacks as a rookie. That's pretty good production. You know, almost 50 total um, pressures last season. And he's an ascending player, uh, somebody that I really liked in the draft class out of Purdue last season. And I think he's going to be one of the next big top pass rushers in the NFL because he's really, really good. And then uh, Amina, who was a rotational player for the 49ers last season, had 62 pressures himself. Overall, I think that when you look at like Frank Clark and the the drop off that he started having at the later stages of his career last year, and you're replacing that with a, a you know a 26 year old 26 year old Charles Amina who and a you know, what, 24, 23-year-old George Karloftis, there's a lot of room for that group to grow overall, and they still have Mac Dana there. They drafted Felix Anudaiki Asmua, who was really, really good for Kansas State last year. They've got a really good, strong uh, edges out there that can really rush a quarterback, and they really do it in, in power, right? So they're not the, the, the beat you off the edge. They're the run through you and really collapse the pocket type of pass rushers. Chris Jones is probably the second best interior defender in the NFL. Um, I, I think at this point, his career is probably better than what you're going to be getting out of um, uh, Rams defensive tackle. What's his name? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. So I think he's, he's probably surpassing Aaron Donald at this point in his career. Um Nothing against Aaron Donald. I just think that Chris Jones is still ascending, and Aaron Donald has probably plateaued of what he is if he hasn't taken a step back. They've had and always had really big defensive tackles. Derek Naughty's huge. Danny Shelton, who's kind of been a journeyman, played for the Patriots, played for 
Um, the, the Browns, he's, you know, one of those 350 pound heavy interior guys that are kind of unmovable. Um, it's a really, really good interior group that, cause especially since, you know, Naughty and Chris Jones have played together for so long. And Chris Jones is one of those few interior pass rushers who really actually gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback, as well as be extremely disruptive up the middle for, you know, clogging rushing lanes. So like, he's, he's really, really good. Um, and we've had to play him twice a year for the last, what, six, seven, eight years. And we just know how good he can be and how disruptive he is for the Chiefs defense. Yeah, um, I, I think this this defense is going to be great. Um, I think Charles Amenahu was a huge addition in the offseason. I think Chris Jones and Derek Naughty, one of the – some of the two best interior duos that I think we have in, in the league. And then George Karloff, just a, a rising star. Um, I've, I, what I really like about just those four, um, I think you mentioned it, just the rushing style of Amina who and Karloftis, big guys who could beat you with power. You can play both of those guys on the inside. Um, so it's going to give, uh, Spagnola a lot of creativity on how he wants to, you know, hide his, his fronts, uh, get after quarterbacks. Um, Mike Dana is as good as a rotational third pass rusher as you could hope for. Um, and then they went heavy uh, in the draft. You, you mentioned Felix Anuduke, their first round pick. They also added BJ Thompson later in the fifth round. And um, Danny Shelton might not even, you know, make this roster. They went and got another big D tackle in the sixth round in Keandre Coburn. So got a lot of a, a solid mix of vets um, with with young guys. Um, I, I think because of their skill set, I, I think Spagnola is going to have a lot of fun being able to disguise his, his, his pass fronts, um, especially because he has a really good up and coming secondary to, to bail him out um, if they can't get you know, get home. So I, I, I'm honestly kind of dreading playing these guys. Um, offense was never an easy task, and now they're they're gearing up to have a really solid defense this time around, and uh, I think that should terrify most teams. Uh, they also have a really, really good linebacker room. Uh, Nick Bolton has really yeah. come in on his own, like, as a rookie, and now they go and they've been adding some really athletic running backs in the draft. Um, they ended up bringing over Drew Tranquil, who for us was exceptional for us last season. Like we, we were really lucky to go from um, uh, Kaiser White to Drew Tranquil last year because Drew Tranquil is is really good in coverage. He's really instinctive, and he's going to be their third linebacker. Uh, so he's not even going to be in every down. He was a full time starter for us last season. Really kind of. Um, one of the most important players on our defense last year and for us to lose him and go to, you know, the, the, the chiefs that we're going to feel that pain at some point during the season. Um, because I think Drew was a, a, an exceptional player for us. Um, he's going to play their special teams reps. Like that's, that's how yeah. stacked they are at linebacker, which is insane. Um, Nick Bolton was one of the league leaders in total tackles last year. Uh, really kind of become their their team leader, not named Chris Jones. And then you've got guys like Willie Gay. Um, you've got uh, Leo Chanel, who was, you know, one of the top linebackers in the draft last year. 
I mean, there's five guys here that could start, and I would feel comfortable with all five of them, not including some of their more bigger depth guys. We know about Cole Christensen, who's been kind of one of our practice squad guys who's jumped back and forth uh, from our practice squad to our um, 53-man lineup week in, week out throughout his short career. I mean, the, the linebackers mixed with this really strong defensive front. I mean, it's it's kind of unfair how good this defense can be just up the middle and, and you know, in those passing lanes right in the middle there. So they got some dogs there. Anything you want to say about their linebackers? Um, yeah, just kind of like that. It, it's super overloaded. Um, I mean, I'm looking at like, Cole Christensen, Jack Cochran, guys who, I mean, Cole Christensen was playing a rotational role for us like two seasons ago, and now he is number six on their depth chart. Um, I think that's just going to, it, it, it just, it's so frustrating because you're going to have a great offense. They're going to have a great defense. And then you're going to get guys like Drew Tranquil and Leo Chanel showing out on special teams. Like this team, this team gets better each and every year. They They've started with very little so well. They're very good. I mean, and that's what keeps good organizations afloat. Um, building, building internally, um, and adding pieces where you know when, when you do when you do miss, and uh, when then you get to a point where you're missing very little, and you have three. You basically they they could roll out. I feel like the the Chiefs B team um, could make. Make, they, make would right they, um, <laughs> they would not finish last. They wouldn't finish last. I think there's better teams than the NFL. The twenty, yeah, I, I, I yeah, that's all I gotta say about that. Um, <laughs> that's really, wild really to think about. Their their B team core. would win at least one game. I really think so. A cup, yeah, if not a couple. Um, I, I mean, just I, look at some. I of like these young guys. I like, like those guys a lot more than like the Lions. Like, let's think about it like this. Like, I love that you said B team. So Mike Dana, Felix Azumoa would be your your starting edge defenders. Danny Shelton and Keandre Coburn would be in the middle. Okay, probably a little weak there. Uh, but then you look at like linebackers like Leo Chanel, Jack Cochran, Drew Tranquil is, is technically a backup for them. You know, Jalen Watson, who had that pick six against us in the first game at, at cornerback. Deion Bush and Mike Edwards, who have been starters before, you know, Josh, like that's not a, it's not a good defense, but you can, you can crawl through a couple games with that lineup if you absolutely had to for injury. Like, you know, that's like one of those teams that they rest all their starters in week 18 and they somehow ink out a win still like that's that they could do that. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating. Uh, I can't wait for this even on their to... defensive on their offensive line, like Prince uh, Winogo, uh, Lucas Niang, Darius Kennard, Austin Reader, Nick Allegretti. Like, I think we've seen that lineup before. We had to. Uh... It's just wild. Yeah. Like they um, they're they're a complete roster through and through. They're legit, and that's why I mean that's why these last half a decade they've been so competitive year in and year out um and they're entering this year as the super bowl favorites and they they, they should look look <laughs> this roster as a as a Chargers fan is just frustrating to go through i'll let you close it out with the secondary trent mcduffie 
Justin Reed, Brian Cook, who's going to be their starter at free safety, uh, letting go of Juan Thornhill. Legere Sneed, I touched on Mike Edwards, Jalen Watson. Give me your thoughts on on the the secondary. Are, I think this is still kind of one of their minor weaknesses because yeah. I still don't think that they have a true, you know, lockdown corner, but they are good enough in the back end, I think. Yeah, um, I really like Legereus Need. I think if he can put one more season together like he did last year, I, I would definitely get him into – I, I think that will start getting him into that true number one type of conversation. Um, looking at just like their, the the sophomores on that secondary, Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, Jalen Watson, uh, Nas Johnson. Um, who else did they draft? Josh Williams. Like they have so many young guys who all played really well for them. Um, Trent McDuffie, I think, is a stud as your slot guy. Um, I hear a lot of talk about Jalen Watson coming in as a starter on the outside. Um, they still got Justin Reed. So I think you probably have a better fit playing Justin Reed as that free and having Brian Cook come kind of play that Rover kind of strong safety role that John Johnson was playing. Um, but either way, like I, I like, I think it's a young group. I definitely think it has a lot to prove. Um, but with the pieces in place and, and how, with how they performed, um, and just their, their rookie season, I, I think there's a lot to expect from those guys. Um, and I could, I don't think, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later when, when those, those sophomores, McDuffie, Brian Cook, Jalen Watson, that building with having that many guys all in the same position, all in the same age, um, that, that is something scary to build around. And it's those types of decisions that have kept this team so competitive for so long. You know, it's really difficult to, like, just look at the Chiefs' entire roster and just think, man, these guys are are built for a long time. Like, they have drafted so well. They've got three hits of – three cap hits of over um, 20 million. So, Patrick Mahomes this year, his cap hits 40 million, which is huge. Chris Jones, 28 million. Joe Thune, 22 million. And, and, you know, from there, there's a huge drop off. I mean, you want to look at contracts and like steals, like Travis Kelsey this year is going to be paid 11, 12, 13 million dollars. He counts for 14 mil against the cap. Like this team is really built to be good for a long, long time. And, you know, the Chargers are built really for one more year. Like this is their last year. You know, they're, they're going to have to go through a, um, you know, a cap correction year or two. Um, this is really, they, they put all their chips in. They structure contracts in a way that is going to be bad for them in the future um, because they think that they're in a window and they can win now. The Chiefs were able to be as good as they were, and they didn't have to sacrifice the future to do it. They gave Patrick Mahomes this huge contract, and – they, it was very team-friendly, which makes me really interested to see in the next few weeks we should be seeing the Justin Herbert contract come out. What is it like? Are we able to compete with them this year? Do you think we have the pieces, the team, and that's kind of probably be the more important 
way to, to, to phrase it. Do we have the team to beat and compete and, you know, go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs? And I'm talking about the whole thing, right, from the coaching to the, yeah. you know, world-class medical team to the stars. Yeah, I, I think if you just look at it player to player, organization to organization, um, no, we're we're not even close. Uh, I don't even think we're even in the like the little brother conversation. Um, I think we're like distant second cousins at this point. We just we just live very close to each other, um, and there's not a whole lot to expect coming from Las Vegas. Um, I think we could if we have a similar year with the struggles we had last year. Um, I, I don't think it's far-fetched to believe that we become the, the third best team in our own division with, you know, getting leapfrogged by the Denver Broncos. I think that's a possibility. Um, as a fan, you know, you got to hope like something's got to give. We've been so close with so with worse teams um, so many times. So you got to think like it's like the law of averages eventually we're going to catch Mahomes and, and Andy Reid on a bad day, right? You got to hope so. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what keeps me waking up uh, every day. That's what keep. It's what makes me excited that, you know, rookies just showed up to training camp. I think uh, it's very, very early. Um, I'm always hopeful this time of year. Um, but if you want like an objective, honest answer, I, I think we're not even close to being uh, on the Chiefs um, level. And um, I think that's, less on on us and more just in awe of what the chiefs have built over there in kansas city yeah they are really they are so good the the chiefs are not just good because of the players that they have but it's a culture thing right like that's that's the hard thing to build that's what every team strives for is culture and the chiefs have built through patrick mahomes and even before patrick mahomes i mean i think the chiefs have won the division every year for since like 2012 we have beat them like twice. The last time we beat them was the Philip Rivers, Mike Williams, you know, game winner. Like that was the last time we beat the Chiefs. We have not beat the Chiefs with um, with Patrick Mahomes under center. Matter of fact, I saw a crazy stat. Did you know Patrick Mahomes has never lost did, a road AFC? Did West Herbert game? not beat? No, he's never beat him. He's never lost a road AFC West game. That's Patrick crazy Mahomes, that, that that one game was in. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, what one game? What 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 game are you talking about? Uh, no, just I. I. It's crazy that the one game during that span that we won was in Arrowhead. Yeah. So <laughs> wild, but. Patrick Mahomes has never lost on the road in the AFC West. That's a crazy statistic. He's been in in the league for like six years now. And he's never lost in his own division on the road. He's lost at home, but never on the road. Didn't we? You're looking for the game that we beat him. You're looking for it. And I think he was out that game. Oh. Because you said, yeah, maybe not Mahomes, but Herbert's two and four against the Chiefs. Is he? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because we went, we split in 20, we won the second game in 2021. We won the second game of his rookie year and then the first game of his sophomore year. The first game in his sophomore year. We didn't win that game, did we? Yeah. <laughs> January 3rd, 2021. And then September 26th, 2021. Okay, so we we have one on the road. Herbert threw seven touchdowns and zero interceptions. So there's and then he threw an inter- interception in every four of his losses. So there's the recipe. Don't don't turn the ball over against the Chiefs. Justin Herbert needs to average three and a half touchdowns, and you beat the Chiefs. That's it. Simple. September 26, 2021, we won 30-24. to 24. And then January 3rd, 2021, 38-21. We beat them in January in 2021? Yeah, that I, I think that was like – I think that was the game you were talking about. They were arresting everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it meant Patrick something Mahomes to didn't us. Pay, still... Play that game, and I and I think the 2021 was when he hurt his knee, when he dislocated his knee, and we didn't play him that game either. I mean, the the what's more important is that we've lost three straight to the Chiefs, two of those being at home. So, um, and one of those we saw in person. So, uh, we're due. Yeah, we're due. But, you know, more than anything, somebody is due to win the AFC West away from the Chiefs. Like, somebody has to take that from – Like, it. that's such a ridiculously long time. Like, that's on par with the Patriots from, you know, 2005 to 2023 yeah. or however long it took them before they finally lost the – you know, like, I'm, I'm just – I'm ready for something new. And I think that this is just the one year that we're going to be able to do it. Let's do it. Let's all the, let's do it. If we're if they're if we're gonna strap ourselves and make us not competitive for future seasons, why why not this year? Let's just get it done. Closing re- remarks, Zach. Um, I'm gonna go after this. Put all my money on the Chargers to win the Super Bowl because apparently we believe in miracles over here. <laughs> Last year, I put money down on the Super Bowl <laughs> and I lost. <laughs> yeah, last, we're not talking about last year. We're moving forward. Let's go. It's training camp uh, right to kind of close things out. I did get all the magazines mailed. I got yours mailed. I got your grandma's mailed. Um, everybody's magazine has been mailed. I've got you know maybe like fifty copies left. Uh, they're still for sale. PDFs are totally free. Fifteen dollars. Um, I was trying to go to on on Saturday. We we're having a. Um, uh, Chargers out on the bay. I forget what the name of the event's called. I'm not going to be there because I'm going to be working because my job sucks. But outside of that, um, you know, if you guys do want a copy, let me know and I'll get that out to you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you guys later.